0: Two guys from
1: Milwaukee? Here we go again. It's those two guys from Milwaukee. Welcome to Low Orbits, the podcast minisode in which two writers watch some TV. Welcome to
0: Unknown Orbits. I'm Patrick Baird. I'm Steve Reitz. This week we're in Low Orbits mode, reviewing a classic TV episode from the golden age of science fiction. Today, we are doing the classic Twilight Zone episode, Elegy. The story of a group of three astronauts whose spaceship is running out of fuel, and they're forced to land on a strange, unexplored planet.
1: Because they're lost.
0: No, I think they were just running out of fuel.
1: No, they were also lost. Were they lost? Yeah.
0: Okay, I'll take your word for that. So they land on this planet, and guess what? It's a stereotypical, wholesome, all-American small town that featured in, like, 20 other Twilight Zone episodes, you know, where they have a band shell, and a band is playing, and little kids are going fishing, and, uh, you know.
1: The nostalgic small town that never existed. You know,
0: circa 1915, which was probably from Rod Serling's childhood. Yes. Uh, so anyway, they're, they're on the stereotypical place, and it's very strange because everyone is frozen. It's like they've walked into a tableau of this stereotypical small town.
1: The only thing I'm certain of is that we're not on Earth.
0: And they're yelling, wake up, wake up. What's wrong with you? You know, so forth. Again, a stereotypical Twilight Zone situation. And eventually, as they're wandering around, checking out the small town and trying to figure out what's going on and how strange it is, one of the characters suddenly speaks. And it's Cecil Calloway a recognizable actor to many of you who are old enough to have watched a lot of old TV and old movies. And he introduces himself as the caretaker. My name's Wickwire. Jeremy Wickwire. And to cut right to the chase, it turns out that this planet is a cemetery. And all the people that are there are people that chose to spend all eternity in this tableau of the wholesome, beautiful, small town life. And of course, you cannot have a bunch of living people walking around disturbing the cemetery. So at the end of the episode, the three astronauts find themselves dead and in the
1: tableau for all time to come. And the weird part is, is it's literally meant As kind of an almost lighthearted ending in which the three men die.
0: Right. And of course, because it's Cecil Calloway, who is this charming figure, it somehow softens the blow. Whereas if they would have used a more sinister actor in that role, it would have had a very different tone. Vincent Price. Yeah, I own the world. An empty, dead, silent world. Every day there are more of them. Yeah, Vincent Price, let's say. So... As a quick diversion here, for science fiction fans, Cecil Calloway is best known as the befuddled professor in The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. It's the Redosaurus, extinct for a hundred million years. Which we just talked about in episode 38, the adaptation of Bray Bradbury's The Foghorn.
1: Not to be confused, as I had, with the befuddled professor in Them.
0: Which is Edmund Gwen, who as you would have it, was Cecil Calloway's cousin.
1: And I had no idea of this whatsoever.
0: Right. Edmund Gwen is best known as Chris Kringle in The Miracle on 34th Street. So the very charming personality of Cecil Calloway really softens the blow at the end of the episode.
1: Yeah, even though he's the one who poisons them. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. He does. He, he
0: says, how would you like some nice, cool lemonade? And they take a few sips of the lemonade and they fall to the ground and they're slowly becoming petrified or paralyzed.
1: It's not particularly a gruesome way to die. There's a small element of the innocent killer. Now, Cecil is a robot, so Oh, that's he right. Have, yes. Yeah. He's, he's not an actual person. He's a robot caretaker. So he's not breaking any morals as far as he knows. He's just following the rules.
0: It's my job to make sure that our guests are not
1: disturbed. And you see this in other things where like an innocent is innocently killing something, like Lenny hugging a puppy to death.
0: Right. You know, as a writer, I'm looking at that story and I came up with what I thought would be a much more complex and potentially darker twist on it which is rather than Cecil Calloway being a robot, he's an actual person who is immortal or lives for a thousand years. And he's here alone on this planet with all these dead people. And it's a very lonely existence. Oh, if we're rewriting it. Well, let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. So he's desperately lonely and his initial reaction to the astronauts is to have them stay with him and keep him company and he you know he feels like i finally got somebody to talk to and somebody to interact with who's alive but then one of the astronauts does something damaging to one of the residents part of the tableau and he realizes i can't allow them to stay because you are here and you are men and while that are men There can be no peace. And they can't leave because their spaceship's out of fuel. So he reluctantly decides to kill them and have them stay forever. And he's back to being all alone. That would be a much more tragic ending, not only for the astronauts themselves, but for the character of the caretaker.
1: Okay, my dark version, using your 1,000-year-old caretaker, is it starts out with the asteroid being completely empty, And one by one, spaceships show up. And he's lonely, so he kills the inhabitants and starts slowly building the small town. And the whole episode starts with the survey ship following a trail of empty, abandoned spaceships drifting through space until they get to this asteroid.
0: We saw this asteroid and we landed. Our fuel is gone. We've got to stay here. That's a pretty good story. That's a good twist. It's a very different story, but it's equally haunting, I think i like that that's good
1: do we have room for another geeky complaint (laughs) okay please make a geeky complaint it just always bugged me on the twilight zone time and time again they had rockets landing on an asteroid had to be an asteroid because we're not going four or ten light years out for a proper planet we're going to be in our solar system so it had to be an asteroid and they all have earth gravity and earth atmosphere around them, and that always bugged
0: Yeah, Yeah, that, that's, yes. That is a scientifically very bad bit of writing.
1: Yeah, but necessary.
0: Necessary in 1959, when people maybe didn't know any better, but I think even for 1959... Because you've got the whole of the universe as your palette to play with. Why not say that they're interstellar travelers? Why do you have to make it an asteroid when it could have been another planet? Where there's only one planet close enough for us to land on in this uncharted solar system that we're the first people to visit, you know, and it could have been a regular planet.
1: Asteroid is just lazy writing. Though one of the better asteroid as planet episodes, I think, was with Jack Warden. If you remember, he's a prisoner who gets a companion oh yeah yeah which i think would be written a little bit differently
0: yeah at least that one looked like a desert yeah you know at least they made that tiny concession to science
1: and really good writing on that one with the loneliness yeah uh anything else no not really it's just a nice enjoyable episode relaxing it doesn't say anything big It's a 25-minute diversion.
0: Yeah, and it has a soft twist ending, which I think is better than the big attempt at a jolting twist ending. And it meets the criteria of a good twist ending where what happens is a surprise to the characters in the story. In this case, the three astronauts. Yeah. So it's a decent twist. Could have been better scientifically, could have been better dramatically, but for what it is and from when it was made, it was pretty good. Yeah. All right, that's it for another episode of Unknown Orbits. I'm Patrick Baird. I'm Steve Reitze. Keep watching the sky.